Hey, Lights, Camera, Barstool listeners, you can find us every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Listen up, we've got some tea, and you all are going to be obsessed. We spoke with the Abercrombie team, and they told us that they were going to launch a wedding shop. Well, we lost it, because as you know, we are both getting ready to get Abercrombie and hitched. The whole vibe of Abercrombie these days is clothes you'd wear for a perfect long weekend, and all their customers were like, hey, we spend long weekends traveling for weddings these days, and then Abercrombie was like, we love that. Let us just give you everything you could ever possibly want and love to wear for all things wedding. So they did. It has everything. Tons of dresses, jumpsuits, pants, swimsuits, pajamas, pantsuits, and all perfectly curated for different events, bachelorettes, brunches, showers, ceremonies as a guest and ceremonies as a bride, reception, and even honeymoon. It is incredible. Check out the Abercrombie Wedding Shop on Abercrombie.com. Go shop it now. Welcome to Lions Camera Barcel, episode 386. Jeff Lowe, Ken Jack, Trill Ballins coming at you on a Sunday, nearing the end of August. Not a very sunny day. Uh, well, it depends. Yeah, it depends. I'm, in, I'm in Texas. It's very hot, and I'm flying into a tropical storm tonight. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it's pouring rain here. It's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Sounds, sounds absolutely fantastic. Can't wait to fly into that beautiful thing. Uh, we got Reminiscence, movie on HBO Max. Um, and then we're going to do a, a coolest dudes draft because you know, the cool dude, Hugh Jackman, Jeff, did you, did you swallow sandpaper last night? I, I have no voice to begin with because I've had an allergic cough for two weeks. Oh, um, man. and now on top of that, I was at a wedding and I was out all weekend. So I just don't have a voice. So it's going to sound really, okay. really raspy today. That's okay, man. You sound, you sound like a, like a good, uh, good lounge singer voice. Minus the talent of a lounge singer. Well, you know, la- lounge singing is one of those things that uh, is is you love to see it in movies. Are you, how about this? Could you imagine if you played the piano for somebody and their compliment to you is you're like, oh, you sound like a Nordstrom piano player. Like the guy that plays the piano in some Nordstrom. I don't feel like I've been that's in the Nordstrom no. with the piano player since like 2005. But okay, that's I, fair. They may it, they may have stopped doing that 15 years ago. That's incredible. Von Mar still does that though. If you've ever been in a Von Mar or know what a Von Mar is, do you know what a Von Mar is? <clears throat> I actually don't. Like it's 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 an upscaler department store compared to a Macy's, but it's not quite at like Nordstrom levels of uh, what I would consider to be uh, purchasing. What's a what? What's your favorite mall store? Like your specialty store, not your not your anchor store. Huh. I, I think for me, specialty is different. Obviously, like anchor H and M is a store I go to the mall for a lot, but that's not like a specialty store. I feel like you know, so like I, I don't think that applies. Well, H and M really popped, and they're like everywhere. I remember two thousand six. There was only you wanted to go to H and M, you had to go to Michigan Avenue in Chicago. But now H and M is is they're in lifestyle centers and stuff yeah yeah that's true um so yeah that's what i'm saying is like it's not, i guess it doesn't really apply in this scenario so i don't know what the specialty would be like there's not many often times where i'm just like damn i really need that you know green bay packers spatula from the kiosk down at westfield mall you know what i mean like it doesn't pop up too often yeah i i'm a finish line guy 
I, I, li- I like the Foot Locker, but the finish lines are usually like larger format. Usually yeah. like more square footage in there and have a bigger selection of shoes. So I, I like all those, especially because they have like the the Nike Vapor Max or whatever. I wish I'd really, I, I wish I'd bring back the annual Air Max mm-hmm. is what I wish would happen because I miss those. Now it's the Vapor Max and those look a little too futuristic for me. Is it finish line where they like try to sell you stuff in it? Yeah, it's a store. No, no. I mean, they try and they pitch you stuff. You know what I mean? Like you don't go there. Like they aggressively say, like, hey, buy this product. Hey, buy this product. Mm-hmm. Like to get commission. I've never, I've never experienced that. And in fact, it's usually been the opposite in a finish line where it's like, there's like one person working the floor and they're overworked and they, they obviously need support, but they're doing their best to, to keep up. That's, I remember that's, that's how it is in a lot of retail situations, you know, lately it's, it's, you got to have a little more patience with, 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 you know, people working service industry jobs and retail jobs these days. Cause they're getting like, I think the, the, the treatment has been pretty poor as people have kind of come back out of the pandemic. Yeah. It's all the skeleton crews. People still not being paid well. Um, but there was definitely a shoe store in the mall that I would go to where I guess they must've earned commission because they would like try and pitch you different products for your shoes. Like, Hey, uh, you should definitely buy this shoe cleaner thing. Hey, you should buy this, this shoe um, smell thing and all these other things like that. It was like GNC for shoes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, finish line may do that when you get to check out. I think some of the other like champs, I have had that happen to me at champs. It's like the, the shoe cleaning product. And I'm, I'm a, I'm yeah. gonna get my shoes dirty kind of guy. I don't clean sneakers. I like, I like beat up dirty sneakers. So, you know, yeah. teach their own. I, uh, <clears throat> at a wedding this week, at a wedding this weekend, the, the, uh, the pastor marrying the couple, um, nice, nice person. Nothing bad to say about it, except for this one thing. He was noting how the groom, they were like talking about like things that they could do since the last, in the last year, things that they did in the last year since they had like a, like a stripped down wedding, like COVID wedding. And he goes, oh, you know, and, and he, uh, he still likes anime. We'll check back in on it next year, see if he's grown up. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I would have, uh, I would have been like, like, excuse me. Excuse me, Mr. Pastor. Uh, let me talk to you about Evangelion yeah. and all the religious elements in there, and maybe I can convert you on my side. Exactly. The staff I, of Longinus, the mother and father, he would have really dug it. I turned to my friend. I was like, I was like, what the fuck is that? I was like, all right, all right. Okay, little joke. It's like a little joke. He brings it up minutes later again. He goes, you know, and again, he goes, we'll see if you grow up and stop watching anime. It's like, all right, buddy. Like, what are we doing here? Like, what, what is what is this? A, like, who are you? What's this like assault on big anime you're doing at this in the middle of the wedding here? Just roasted them left and right. I almost had to say something. I I've never been to talking a real wedding, but <laughs> I don't know if I've been to a single wedding where anime has been mentioned so ever. That's 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 new for me. There would have been oh, something shit. about there, there would have been a special moment at a, at a Texas wedding where on a ranch where anime gets brought up and then me in the back dressed like one of the characters from Night at the Roxbury with a blue suit, black t-shirt and gold chain stands up and says, hey, fuck you, man. It would have been funny the if you dressed rules. as an anime character instead, like you were dressed, he was dressed yeah. like, like, if he was dressed like the girl from Kill a Kill, Trill. He's just, or, or if you got up and pretend, you, you, you pretended to go Super Saiyan and then you did a backflip <laughs> off of the wall. Yep. I actually saw um, a clip on TikTok. Some guy, he, he's an anime fan. He got married. And like for his bachelor party, they brought him to like some big giant like anime collector store and everything. And they all dressed up like Naruto characters. And like for a second, you you stop and think just because like instinctually like, oh, this is nerdy. But then I'm watching it. 
I'm like, these guys are having so much fun. Like, I wish I could be these guys right now because they were having more genuine joy than I think I've ever had in my life. And I know this is going to make people mad, but like, to me, there's no difference between that and like, let's say two people are getting married and they went to the same college and sometimes we'll get the mascot to show up. There's no difference between that and that mascot thing for me, except one is like more, you know, like, here I go again, defending anime at weddings you just can't have a wedding these days without without people wondering if goku is there what mascot would you want at your very potential uh wedding would you have wanted to have like just the big ass drum you mean like uh, like a purdue specific mascot yeah no i'd want there's a there's like an inflatable i forget what its name is so there's like purdue pete then there's the boilermaker express special i forget it's been so long since i've even thought about it and then there's this inflatable baby uh or it's like it, it's like it's like a, let me look it's like um i know i know i know what you're talking about purdue inflatable um it's it, i don't I, it had a name his name is rowdy i think R- purdue rowdy i really hope this doesn't disappoint oh no yeah no you'd want that there I think, but I think that that is the most. So, like, I, I personally find Purdue Pete to be kind of horrifying. I don't think you're alone I, in that opinion. I think Row, Rowdy looks friendly, and I always like that thing where the person in those inflatable suits like flips upside down, and so it looks like they're walking <laughs> on their head. And that, that is very that, cool. That trick is a, a certified crowd pleaser. That's true. I don't know who I'd, I would want. The good thing about Manhattan is that they're. Mascot's already kind of a priest, so it works out. I don't need it. What if you had a you had a, a Bobby Knight cosplayer throw a chair across the dance uh, floor? Uh, a Bobby Knight themed bachelor's party would be that has to exist. A Bobby Knight themed bachelor party. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Knight? Oh, um, probably right for that. We got to get into news. We got a big trailer to talk about. Uh, is brought to you in part by 3G. That's right. 3G. Go to 3G.com. Number three, CHI.com. Uh, shop for Delta vapes, gummies, tinctures, oils can be used to make homemade edibles or one of their edibles. Brownies, Rice Krispie, Rice Krispie treats, cookies, delicious stuff, just good tasty treats, uh, and much more than that. Use code CAMERA, C-A-M-E-R-A, at checkout for 5% off your order. 3G, it's the industry leader, Delta HHC products, all formulated by a biochemist, made in USA, USA Grow Hemp, all that good stuff. And it's a federally legal version of THC. More functional alternative to marijuana as well. Great buzz, great body feel, clear head, less anxiety and paranoia. It's available online at 3G, number three, CHI.com, uh, and at retailers around the country. It'll be 21 to purchase, but uh, it's fantastic stuff. And remember, it's not CBD, psychoactive. It'll give you a buzz. You'll definitely get a buzz. Uh, so use it responsibly. 3G, number 3CHI.com, shop for Delta vapes, gummies, tinctures, oils, and their own edibles. You can make your own, but buy theirs. Like they're probably better at you than doing it. Uh, uh, use code CAMERA, C A M E R A, at checkout to 5% off your order from 3G. All right. <clears throat> News, Eternals. Uh, m- new trailer. Honestly, they, they call it the final trailer. This felt like the first trailer. And I don't mean this felt like it was like the first trailer. This means like, I mean, like the first trailer was beyond the teaser compared to this. Like the context here 
it felt like a whole different movie that was being teased. And I'll tell you what, it dropped at three o'clock in the morning and I just happened to be up doing something. And I was stunned. Um, I watched like three or four times in the morning. Awesome. Awesome trailer. We're getting to a couple of the things that are in here, but um, I wasn't on the fence about it. Like you bring in Chloe Zhao, you bring in a, a big director, big names, but this has me amped as opposed to where before I was like, okay, looking forward to it. Now I'm, I'm pretty pumped for Eternals. It's, it's kind of funny how with the DC movies, we were always like, maybe they should try a lighter tone. And when they do that, we enjoy it. But then with the Marvel movies, it's like, maybe they should like try a little more serious of a tone. And then I, I think this eternal internals trailer, like had that. And I enjoyed that too. It, it seemed a little, a little uh, more intense than what you'd expect from a standard Marvel movie. Right. Like you, you just didn't have like any of the comedic beats or, it seemed more like serious, I guess, is the way I'm trying to describe it. Yeah, the first trailer was basically just Chloe Zhao, say, or not Chloe Zhao, Gemma Chan saying like, um, uh, was it like, oh, humanity, we got to protect them, blah, blah, blah. Well, what was it? Um, beautiful world, beautiful something was playing in the background of like the stylized version. This one just, they gave you so much more context, like you were saying. Um, you saw a lot of, like, they, they feel like they did a good job of explaining right off the bat the whole bit that everyone was getting mad about like hey where were they during the whole thanos thing they immediately just kind of squashed it off the bat saying like hey look they're ordered not to blah 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 blah. we see look at the celestials which look sick you look at core um a couple other people in there and we get to see the powers and we get to see uh what do you call it kumail got all yoked as shit just to have finger guns which is hilarious to me <laughs> yeah he, he um dude was there was there a a line from him in the trailer or I, yeah, I think like one or two yeah i think he had like one or two nothing crazy yeah you know i love the finger guns look cool i like how they like they charged up on uh you know his hand and then he did he, he did what you'd expect out of finger guns and just <laughs> unleashed him yeah he did classic finger guns yeah classic finger guns and then he's uh, on richard madden looks sick too the heat vision or whatever you want to call it yeah i thought this this looked cool this definitely got me more excited for the eternals than the first trailer did which is probably the intent of the way they designed this one yeah they uh there's gonna be there's rumors of a thanos tie there's been rumors that he'd be involved they talk about the snap early on uh they do also bring up we, we see some celestials we've seen celestials before in the mcu first time we saw celestials and i'll read the names off uh was uh, i'm probably not saying it right uh Isam the searcher that was the one who had the power stone when uh Benicio Del Toro, the collector, was explaining Infinity Stones in Guardian of the Galaxy. You actually see him, he's just like, like mowing down wheat in the field, and it's a big celestial just like destroying a planet with the Power Stone. Another celestial is Nowhere, that's the big skull, which they visit in Guardian, cool. they visit in uh, Avengers Infinity War. Uh, that was a celestial at one point. Ego, the Living Planet, was a celestial. So Kurt Russell's character from Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. And then you see two new ones in this one. Uh, Jemiah the Analyzer, which is the green one, he's like Doing like that orb thing where he's kind of looking at Meha with the galaxy. Yeah. And then uh, Arishem the Judge, which seems to be the main villain, or I, I guess I, I would assume a large tie in to the villain uh, in this movie. There's a couple teases for villains, and we'll get into it as we continue to talk about the movie. Um, but that's another celestial that uh, is who they say they answer to, it seems, via the trailer. Um, I don't know the comeback story all that much, but it's clear that Celestials, as we know, because the first ever teaser we got this movie was Celestials. Um, they're going to play a major, major role in this. 
Uh, I imagine gods will as well and Titans and you'll see, I'm sure you'll see uh, Thanos or whoever in relation to Thanos as well. Um, but the other small tease we got is that many believe we see the fall of Atlantis. There's kind of like a, a, a city or a country or, or a nation falling into a, uh, a, like a wave pool, like, like just sinking into the ocean. People are seeming to suggest that that would mean uh, that's Atlantis, the fall of Atlantis. That'll be teased, which that seems to be a tie-in to the next Black Panther movie, Wakanda Forever, uh, because we know Namor is going to be uh, a character in that movie as well. And that's been teased. That was teased in Avengers Endgame. They talked about it a little bit. They did a slight tease. So there's a lot of little tie-ins here. Um, and I'm very curious how this connects larger to what happens now in the MCU, because there's obviously a set uh, post-snap, which they talk about literally in the trailer. So pretty cool. I mean, I love seeing just not not just a new character, but many different new characters. That was like kind of the nice thing about Shang-Chi, right, Ken Jack? It's like you just see... You know, like we had Black Widow and that was great. We had Spider-Man after Endgame. And now it's like you're seeing like truly new, fresh characters, not just like one or two, like all of them. Like they're all fresh for the most part. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. Yeah. So good looking trailer comes out a little later on in the year. They claim that it won't hit streaming at all. Uh, arrives November 5th. I'm sure it's an option uh, as we... As everyone anticipated, they, they plastered uh, from Academy Award-winning director Chloe Zhao up on the screen, which I'm sure gave Kevin Feige uh, quite the delight to be able to do that. So, uh, so, we, so we also saw um, Kit Harrington a little bit here, very briefly. Very briefly, Kit Harrington. Like a car getting crushed over his head or something? Yeah, just for a second. Yeah, yeah, very very briefly, Kit Harrington. A lot of, it seems like Dorian Terry Henry is actually going to be the main uh, comedic relief in this. And he actually had a couple pretty funny lines in it, so... Uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, cool trailer though. I, again, three 30 in the morning. It was, uh, it was quite the shock, but, uh, a big one now paves the way for one more Marvel trailer, uh, in terms of movies and that's Spider-Man, which we still don't really know yet. Um, another trailer was the, uh, trailer for the impeachment show, um, about the, uh, the scandal, the Kornelinski scandal, um, from Ryan Murphy. That's, this is the third, right? Am I missing one? This is the yeah, third. No, it's OJ Versace and then impeachment. OJ Versace and this. So now this is this is the first real trailer. So we got to look at everybody, which they all look pretty solid. Um, seeing Bill Clinton is, is a bizarre thing. I don't know why. And whenever you see someone like a president or someone of that nature, um, though closeness doesn't matter a ton, obviously, because Cuba Gooding Jr. looked nothing like OJ Simpson. Um, though a bunch of the other ones did. Uh, so this is <laughs> this. I, I don't know. This this will test the theory of Trill. I know people like Versace, but Trill's theory that Ryan Murphy things just typically don't last past one iteration. Well, R- Ryan Murphy, Ryan Murphy's had a rough go at it with his Netflix shows. So he he signed that big deal, and I, I don't think. Well, but he had that one series with the Hollywood Show. Well, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was not very good. Yeah, and then I think there was like another limited series he did on Netflix. Oh, the um, what was the one with Sarah Paulson? I know that's not really uh, weeding down the round. If he shows the nurse, nurse Ratchet, nurse Ratchet, yeah, Ratchet, um, which was okay, but I I think generally these anthologies kind of play into his strengths because my theory is like he's always able to de- de- deliver one fantastic season of a show, and then it kind of just you know it, it wobbles from there whereas like the anthologies i think like the you know, american horror story has gone downhill but i still think 
people like them. And then these American crime stories probably go the same way. Like I didn't like the Versace one as much, but how much of that was tied into the fact that like OJ was a story that basically like formed, I mean, it was, it was like a formative news item for when I was 10 years old. Like that was the only thing people really talked about in the news for like four years and the impeachment, uh, the, the, you know, Clinton impeachment thing is a, very similar, right? Is that defined 1999 to 2000, pretty much 1999, but around that time frame. So I, I yeah. thought all the characters look good. I, I, it's just going to be really interesting because you never know. Sometimes I think what I really worry about is I just worry about like how much they're going to focus on like Clive Owen's portrayal of like Bill Clinton. Like I'd rather this be like focused around like Linda Tripp and the Lewinsky relationship, but then also like maybe go into a little more of like, I don't know if it, I don't know if it will like go in a little more to like the media and how the media was kind of just, uh, there's the Matt Drudge character, right? Like the, the Billy Eichner and the, you know, the Drudge report kind of made a name of itself from this, but then the whole media, like infrastructure around it like i remember jay leno you know he's making jokes every night about in the same way with the oj thing and it was it was a definitive story i just like i think that's probably the more interesting lens to look at this through i don't know how much of that is going to touch on it rather than just focusing on the characters themselves but i think i think by default like it's it's interesting like ryan murphy say what you want about him but like he does make casting decisions that intrigue you and get you to watch the show like it gets you in the door right that's what you said when they cast James Corden in the prom. I remember you saying that exact thing, um, which is a stinker. It's also worth noting, too, just a good reminder that, that Monica Lewinsky, and this actually, the other day, Beanie Feldstein, who's playing her, said that she had a say in every part of the script. That's um, good. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I, think that, I think that's where it's worth re- reevaluating because, I mean, even back to that, like what that, that Kid Rock clip they had in that Woodstock documentary yeah. where it, it was just like, that that wasn't just Kid Rock. Like that was kind of like the media approach to it. That was the narrative that was built, I think. And and it's worth reevaluating, especially in the prior years since Monica Lewinsky. Um, you know, she's she's come out and she's written some really good pieces about her experience. And and I think like seeing 20 years later, seeing a show produced through those lenses is, is probably the deconstruction of this that it deserves. Now, I mean look. I don't know how the nuance is going to be when you actually get to the show, but at least like that, that at least makes me excited to watch it. I would be shooting for a balance from Richard Jewell, I would say, because I think that's something where everything was so face value. I think for a lot of people where you can at least get a little bit further into the, into the weeds and be like, you were saying, kind of like give us um, a narrative that we haven't been presented with yet. Other than like, I feel like most people are nowadays like, they they look back on that story and realize like yeah the media fucked that they weren't fair to Monica Lewinsky at all but like we don't know much beyond that so like you said interesting interesting to see I'm sure. Well, I mean, going back to the prom, okay. I know you said James Corden, but like Meryl Streep and Nicole Kidman are very interesting casting choices. I like, like I like that you mentioned like casting choices. Like <laughs> that's just funny to me. Like I would, I hope it. Everyone works. would ask for them. I hope it works because I do like these. Like these are, and, and there are stories. I mean, the OJ one is obviously very hard to follow. Like that's, I mean, it, it legitimately doesn't get bigger than that. It's one of the monumental moments in American history. But like, there's a modern things. Like I love for them to retackle the 2000 election. Like I, I know they did that already on HBO, 
but re, I mean, recount. Oh my God. Like it's, it's fun if you like elections, but Jesus, it's like, it's just not, doesn't, doesn't hold up quite as well. And I think a Ryan Murphy text would be cool about that. So I know there was one that they almost did about a hurricane Katrina. I think that one got tabled. Um, so yeah, I, I hope it works. I want to see more of these because they are, I mean, they're, the older one was incredible. It was just, it was one of my favorite things I've ever watched on TV. So, um, so we'll see uh, where they go from there. Uh, episode also brought to you in part by Allbirds. That's right. Ooh, very comfortable. Very comfortable shoes. Wore them the other day. More sure we were at the wedding yesterday because I did not wear Allbirds to the wedding and my feet are just absolutely tarnished. Just, just brutal, brutal purchase. Did not, did not pad well. Uh, but warmer weather, maybe coming around the corner. Uh, you're going to get a little colder weather. Guess what? Allbirds, they got shoes that fit all types of weather. And they're tree dashers, world's first performance running shoe made from premium natural materials that are also better for the planet, are excellent. Uh, Allbirds, we talk all the time about things that you can dress up, dress down, wear wherever. Allbirds completely fits that category. Uh, the tree dashers are insanely comfortable, like slipping your feet into clouds. Wonderful shoes. A uh, bunch of different colors. Um, Easy, soft, light feel. And again, you can do active things in them or just kind of show them off as a nicer shoe. Uh, carbon footprint right on the shoe as well. So you know the impact on the planet. Uh, Allbirds also a B Corp, making the environment a stakeholder in their business. They know uh, they can create a more sustainable future and all that stuff. So they're really hyping that up. So not only great shoes, great for the environment as well. Uh, sustainable shoe, and it's a running shoe, and it's comfortable, built for performance, lasts really well a long time uh, you can run hard uh, and also you know tread lightly on the planet so make sure this august going to the fall get those also all their other shoes as well are, are absolutely outstanding um allbirds a-l-l-b-i-r-d-s.com uh, allbird shoes premium thumbs up Trill. you you've you've owned allbirds i you know they, they feel so good when you go sockless in them oh yeah I mean, I, i'll only not wear socks with all birds and i'm not going to apologize for that you shouldn't with winter too get the wool well, i'm not gonna yeah. oh yeah i think oh, if fine. i make a pair of like uh vegan leather ones they should do that you know that might be tough with no yeah well vegan leather is a real thing yeah it might be tough with no no socks with no sock might get a well, just 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 put like wool on the inside just you know okay yeah Make it and like it a tauntaun. Turns into like an, an UGG, basically. Yeah, it's just a tauntaun shoe where it's just like, it's coarse on the outside, but on the inside, it's comforting and warm. On the inside, it's just guts. It's just like... I, I, I always love the tauntaun scene because it's like George Lucas is like, well, I know a lot of kids are going to be watching this movie, but let's, um, let's fucking horrify him for five <laughs> years ago. I mean, just, just gross guts. The tauntaun guts are disgusting. It was it was that and the the aliens uh bishop I think it was the bishop was he the android oh his he, milk blood he gets cut in half and he has the milk blood and the little like sensory balls dangling out of it where yep. like those were the two internal scenes I saw when I was a kid and I'm like no <laughs> <laughs> um scary a couple of the other uh, a couple of the news items there was a uh, have you guys seen the video yet of this the uh, the train the train stunt. For Mission Impossible 7. Now that she's back in the atmosphere. <laughs> oh, not not train. Oh, cool. No, I haven't seen it. Did you send it? All right, let's 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 have you watch it live. Let's have you watch okay. it live. This is this is a practical stunt for Mission Impossible 7. Um I I, I love it. 
I love it. Oh, that's pretty cool. I like the steam bellowing out of the train as it just plunges. First of all, I was a lot. I mean, I guess I'm sure they they prepped for it, but a lot less fire than I expected. Um, Almost that'll be be added in post. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's that post. But awesome just to see. I mean, that that's the thing with this franchise is there's just a commitment to there's it's not just practical because everything's a commitment to practical nowadays right but it's a commitment to just making it the most realistic badass action you can possibly find and so look they've done so many things time to throw a train off a cliff like that's just simple i mean like it's simple as that like they're they're running out of ideas but like you got to one up throwing the train off the cliff i imagine he's gonna be on that train in the movie as it goes off the cliff right or he bails out last second what if he's just on the ground it's like the opening scene and he's just going for a walk on the beach and then the train just comes crashing down. No, they're going to do Indiana Jones uh, Crusader <clears throat> where like they're going to think he went off the cliff with the tank, but then he's going to like come up off the you side. Know, is, the, is the helicopter just filming or is that part? I mean, it's just filming. It's got to be just filming. Yeah, it, look, it, it, it looks doesn't look like too... cool. And, it's not a cool enough helicopter to no. do a Mission Impossible. <clears throat> no, that's a filming one. God, it's going to be. I, I, I cannot wait. I, I mean, the hype around this movie is going to be absolutely insanity. <laughs> Um, there's that one clip that uh, from like last year when they were filming this where he was on top of a train and there was a car going at speed with the train and they're just like waving at Tom Cruise the entire time I, I love that no other there's very few actors you're going to find that'll do that I, I just I think it's so cool that uh, obviously Mission Impossible is based off of the when the TV show was at the 60s was it a 60s TV show seems like, like a 60s thing and you know the franchise has spanned the decade so long that the theme song to MI2, I think was a Limp Biscuit song. Uh, <laughs> but now it's like kind of the gold standard in American uh, action movie, just in terms of like raw enjoyability and what people crave. And I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Now I know why you want to hate me because hate is all the world has even seen lately. And then they just do the Mission Impossible theme song. They, they need an Imagine yeah. Dragons song back again, though. They do need that. Well, like the Imagine evolution Dra- of dance, basically. The Imagine Dragons was funny because like Limp Biscuit was commissioned for the song, whereas the Imagine Dragons was like, well, if we make this song sound enough like it, maybe they'll use it. And then they won. <laughs> it worked. Um, no Dune screeners. Denny Villeneuve will not be allowing them to send out screeners for Dune, which is not... It's, that's not... That's not what, what's the word I'm looking for? Unusual. Like out of really the pandemic is when you started to see a lot of screeners, like digital screeners sent. You still get them now and then for like big interviews. It's like like you know, like James Corden's not gonna show up to the screeners that Ken Jack and I go to. You know, it's like that's just not gonna happen. Like the, the, these bigger late night hosts and like so like they get them, but uh, Denny Villeneuve put the uh, put the kibosh on uh sending out digital screen. He doesn't he doesn't want anyone to see it except on the big screen. And you know, I, I love the commitment. It's Absolutely meant to be watched it. on the big screen. The whole fucking, like beyond, there's many movies like this, obviously that have come out during COVID, but Dune, maybe more than any other one is so built to be watched in a theater and not on somebody's MacBook. You know, that's, I think it's a completely right thing to do. Yeah. Dune, Dune's one of the few movies that I, you know, if I had the choice between streaming or the theaters, just, just like, look, like, I still I can still go to the movie. It's just a lot harder having a kid. You got to schedule around it and all that. This is one where I just I'd pencil out the calendar. I say like, let's get a babysitter. We got to go see Dune. So I'm excited for that. Reminiscence, great movie to watch on a tiny crusty MacBook Pro. Dune, not so much. 
Reminiscence. Reminisce about you. What's that rap song that does Reminiscence, that? the movie. Star. Like is it a Nas song? Hugh Jackman. Yes. And Rebecca Ferguson again. Yes. Um, and then last thing, this is disappointing. Oh, Burn, I'm not gonna play Larry Bird anymore in the Adam McKay uh Lakers series scheduling conflict. I was literally just thinking about that the other day. But apparently scheduling con- I really wanted to see Bo Burnham play Larry Bird. It just seemed it's just one of those castings that had me excited. I'm still excited for this this series because I do think it's gonna be really cool, but but no Bo Burnham is, is a bit of a bummer. Now who do they cast? Exactly. That's that was my next question. Was this who's gonna who could play Larry Bird now? Jim Gaffigan. Owen Wilson. It's too old. Well blonde yeah. actors. The height, the height Owen definitely Wilson's helped old. for both like the, the height was definitely a big thing because I think they cast mostly taller people in these roles. Um, yeah, I think so, right? And Burnham being have- tall makes that, you know. So I mean, look, there's always ways to get around it. Like Vin Diesel, I hate to break this to people, not that tall. Arnold Schwarzenegger, not that tall. Wouldn't they just um, have a fully CGI Larry Bird? <laughs> Next to a real uh Magic Johnson actor. And and he's voiced by Larry Bird, but it's all like clips from previous interviews and press conferences and they just splice them up very naturally sounding love that what's this thing called what, what's the adam mckay um show called it was it showtime was that it or was that his pod he had a podcast that was that was pretty good about basketball and i don't know what the name of the actual series is going to be it's just on unti- it's untitled hmm. it's based off of showtime like the book. Um, we had John C. Riley as Jerry Buss, Jason Clark as Jerry West. Um, so, and, and he's doing the one of the Elizabeth Holmes movies. What was the, uh, who's doing the other one? The other one was, was the Hulu series, right? Um, With Kate McKinnon, yeah, right? Yeah, that might be one. I'm wondering if that happens. Like, you know, the same way, like that everybody gobbled up the stories for the GameStop and now it probably looks like they just will not do a GameStop movie because nobody gives a shit anymore. I want to say that, but maybe, maybe they'll do one. It won't be like five GameStop uh, stonk. Oh, McKinnon Uh, got out of the project. That's right. That's right. And Amanda Seyfried is playing Elizabeth Holmes now. And the Hulu one? Yeah. Okay. I I really like that. I really like that. I mean, I like Kate. I like Kate McKinnon, but that Amanda Seyfried. That that's yeah. And we'll see. But I I trust Adam McKay with this subject matter because I I feel like he has obviously accomplished a lot. But his ability to uh, you know, like just just in the big short, point out like the seemingly surreal yet completely actually happened events that you know take place in our society. Um, I'm still searching for an actor that can even. I looked up Larry Bird, <laughs> actors that could play Larry Bird, and I got nothing. There is nothing here. Very unique looking dude. Okay, I got one. Bear with me here. You know what? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna wait on on my insert of this actor's name into the podcast for them. Yeah, I knew who you were gonna say. I'm not okay. gonna say it yet. Yeah, you you guys were watching that movie and you knew that one character. I was gonna say, you know who you know who this character should have been played by. We'll get to that in the reminiscence review. Um, well, let's just talk about reminiscence. Let's talk about the newest movie, the newest HBO Max and theaters release. Uh, Nicholas Bannister, a rugged and solitary veteran living in a near future Miami, flooded by rising seas, is an expert in a dangerous occupation. 
He offers clients a chance to relive any memory they desire. His life changes when he meets a mysterious young woman named May. What begins as a simple matter of lost and found becomes a passionate love affair. But when a different client's memories implicate May in a series of violent crimes, Bannister must delve through the dark world of the past to uncover the truth about the woman he fell for. Um, reminiscence, uh, <laughs> just over two hour long. I mean, it's, it's, it ain't, it ain't a short just over $2 million made the box office too. Yeah. It, it ain't a short movie. I'll tell you that right now. Um, Hugh Jackman, Rebecca Jarvis, Tandy Newton. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, for, okay. This is a movie that I imagine most people didn't know existed, right? Like this has to be one of the lesser promoted HBO max simultaneous releases, right? Like this just kind of popped up out of nowhere. It got the pop-up on the main app screen though. Like it got the, this is a new well, release. It's got Hugh Jackman. Right? I would hope so. Well, yeah. This was, um, what was the development history of this one? Like, was this, was this supposed to be a 2020 movie that got pushed back or was this 2021 all the way? I actually don't know if this was, this was a, a, a delay. Let's, let's take a look. Cause most, most things didn't stay in their release window. So filming began in October 21st, 2019. So who, who knows, you know, it, it probably was something maybe slated to come out late 2020, but it certainly wasn't one that they'd been holding on to April. I got maybe. delayed in April. Okay. Um, so, so, you know, Lisa joy is, I believe this is her debut, uh, both in terms mm-hmm. of directing and writing. And she, uh, she had directed episodes and, and wrote and produced Westworld, uh, which is a very good show. I think had a very strong first season and I enjoyed the subsequent seasons, but not as much. Um, and I, I really, you know, I really like Westworld. Now, I mentioned that because I think there are a lot of similarities between Westworld. Maybe not necessarily oh, yeah. like I, I think just in terms of I'll tell you what I liked about the movie. We literally had somebody I, I will say to piggyback off. Then you can give a score. You can start it out. Somebody said on our Reddit said the movie is an absolute mess. It was a mediocre episode of Westworld that stole ideas from inception, but couldn't package it in an entertaining way. So it's a very solid brief recap of it. So I, I, so I think there's a general theme in the movie that I I liked and that's, um, you know, living in this future where things have become so bad that people only find solace in revisiting the past. And I, I think that, you know, as, as you, as you grow older and kind of get more, you know, <laughs> dopamine from nostalgia, basically, and I'm living through that right now, right? Cause things that were in the nineties and early two thousands are becoming popular again. You kind of understand that you kind of just want to curl into a ball and go back and, you know, you don't want to face the future. You just want to experience the past again or live through memories. So I, I really like that general theme of the movie. And the other thing I thought um, that was done really well is I thought the world building, like the the way Miami looked and kind of the the divisions of Miami, one being the, um, the, the like the Barrens, uh, what, I forget what they specifically called it, but it was their damned off area. And then they're also like, what was the different like parts their of Elysium, it. you could say. Yeah, their Elysium. Like, I, I like that. And, you know, I think Westworld has, I wouldn't say like, I want to say like similar themes and I'm like not the smartest guy to break all this down, but I think there's an element of, you know, certainly like when you get into escapism and, um, you know, the, the, the involvement of people in Westworld typically, you know, being presented as, you know, folks who can afford this experience in Westworld escaping to live this reality that they cannot otherwise get whatever you can go down all that. But I, I think thematically, like I really enjoyed 
the you know the whole idea of like this memory machine and like what it could do but i think where the movie really i just didn't like it is i didn't i didn't like the noir detective stuff and i don't think hugh jackman did a particularly good job in this role because i don't think he was i don't think he was overly miserable i think he got it i don't think he understood it it, it's this is this is i would argue and we can go through his filmography bottom three hugh jackman role i've ever seen like like not good it just wasn't for him it's it's what do you give it um, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a 55. I, I like, I didn't think, I didn't think it was bad by any means, but it wasn't, um, it, it wasn't an overall, like there were enjoyable elements of the movie. Like, and I found myself getting into it, but when it got to the last third of the movie, that's when I was kind of just like, the, even the, like the twists and the turns weren't like necessarily shocking or whatever. They're just like, okay, this, this makes sense. Like it being a noir movie or whatever. Um, but 55, like, look, I'm not giving it a 30 because I, I, I think the Miami, the vision of Miami in this one and, and even new Orleans, like I, I really enjoyed that. Like I thought, I thought like, you know, Lisa joy and team did a really good job in terms of creating this world and creating something that seems like apocalyptic yet people still have to live in it. Um, and I don't want to like, I, I, I just want to highlight the positives I found in that, I guess. Yeah, no, I think I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Um, it's so I watched this on Friday while I was working, and while I was like half paying attention, I was like, "Oh, I kind of like this." The first twist where he like wakes up in the tube, and you realize like he's been he's been reliving his memories. So I thought that was really interesting, but then it kind of I feel like goes off a cliff and becomes very very boring. And I, I like that Westworld is brought up. Obviously, Lisa Joy did that too, like you were saying. But like, it, it just feels like it could take place in Westworld. Like this is part of the Westworld universe. Because like they have the same elements as far as like this this future war that no one can explain that everyone was drafted into and like that influence on society and all of that. And like it just it felt like a poor amalgam of Westworld of Inception and Altered Carbon. Because I so I rewatched this this morning and like the more I'm watching it or paying actually paying attention to watching it, I really didn't like it because like it just it made me want to go back and watch those properties instead of watching this because it was like a very poor imitation of what those movies and shows were able to do. And that, and that to me was just frustrating. I thought Rebecca Ferguson wasn't particularly strong in this. I thought Thandie Newton, probably the best out of this entire cast. Hugh Jackman, I think it was just kind of confused with this role. Maybe it wasn't for him. And they just, they kind of needed to find a way to, to wrap up these storylines in a way that was just a little bit tighter. I would say like, like Clifton Collins, I think was the bad guy in this. He's just not a great bad guy. I think in general, um the baron storyline wasn't that great like it just it felt like it was trying to be too tech noir like uh, like hard-boiled detective and like it, it became very triard like and like the whole the whole plot line of them walking around sunken under city miami but of course uh hugh jackman has to walk around with like his duster and like wool pants on like dude you'd be a, it's got to be a trillion degrees if global warming has wiped away miami and new orleans like come on but like that's all for the sacrifice of the look. It just it felt like it was trying very very hard and just not really delivering anything for all that effort. Yeah, and in a lot of that look, you know, noir's been used a lot, you know, around these you know, these neo noir concepts, right? It's its own genre basically, and I, I think it's a good. I mean, it's it's a classic framing for a lot of things that happen, and like I particularly enjoy it, but. 
what I come, what I, what it comes down to is like, you really got to have that like lead detective, that miserable lead detective character you come to expect, like be miserable. And then also like deliver what you consider to be like clever lines of dialogue, even though they're not. And I, I thought like, even from the opening narration of Hugh Jackman, like what, what he was saying was just absolute nonsense. It was like time, like nothing time is <laughs> forward, but time yeah. is always backwards. And sometimes we get lost in forward time and go to backwards time, but that's when sideways time happens. And when it the sideways like, time happens, it's like, you got to watch out. It was like, uh, like when you spill something and on a counter and it just goes in many different directions, like, and you just can't keep up when you're cleaning it up. It's like, they've, they spilled a bunch of ideas and they, they just couldn't clean it all up into like one concise, like, like puddle, like it just felt, it felt like it was getting away from them. Like it was legitimately just getting away from them. And it was just like, I, I didn't know what it was. And the worst part, I'm like, I can't start. We don't, we don't say this very often, especially with big name people. And I, I can't even rack my brain to find a recent one. The acting wasn't good. <laughs> like it just wasn't like, it, it wasn't really intriguing enough. There's, these are really good actors like Hugh Jackman. Rebecca Ferguson, Tandy Newton, like these are big name actors who typically pray and put it, they weren't bad by any means, but it's tough when you, you, you can't, you can't save a movie when like the main reason to go see it, like the names, especially Hugh Jackman, just can't really prop the movie up. I, I thought it was, was largely terrible. I gave it a 38. I, I think it looked very cool. I think the concept was neat like surface level stuff. Like I'd love to see the concept art of this. Like the visuals were awesome. Like the panning shots, like the Miami, like it was neat. Yeah. But I mean, man, it was this thing. It was, it was, a, it was like messy and not messy in a way that it was just nonsense. Like it just, it started off in, in a spot. I'm like, okay, I could see the intrigue here. Then it just slowly, you're like, what? It, like it just got away from everything. I, uh, I do want to know the soundtrack. I, I think it's a guy who did Game of Thrones on this. Very good soundtrack for what that's worth. And if we're naming positives here. And I just I just want to put this out there to be respectful. I think I think it's Tandy Wade Newton now. I think that's what she's being credited by. So I'm going to say Tandy Wade Newton. I thought her only character or her her character was the only one I really liked in this movie in terms of her portrayal and performance. But even her character was so like one dimensional. Like, hey, it's you know I'm finding my my solutions in the bottom of a bottle. Like she said that same line like ten times throughout this movie. And like I think she was the most badass and like gave the only levels of like characterization to the character of uh was it Nick uh, that we had, which by the way, Nick Bannister is a terrible name. You can't name the last name. Bannister is just a terrible f- Miami detective. Nick X window pane. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's just a horrible item to pick as a last name. But, but her character, like just in terms of, you know, her drinking problem, like that, like that whole, her whole character fit in most with the genre. I thought, like in her dialogue in the memory with uh, Rebecca Ferguson's character was like probably the most enjoyable conversation between any two individuals in this particular film. So I, I just, I, re- I really liked her character more than anybody's. Um, and then I, I didn't hate Rebecca Ferguson's character. I thought that was so caught up in like the genre. And then, you know, just what you think of like a noir movie where you have the silhouette of, you know, the lady in the red dress and the door, of the detective agency, like her coming in and saying she lost her keys. Like I kind of like that. Cause that's what you expect out of the genre. But then you get into the whole, like what you didn't really care about is like they had five minutes of an on-screen relationship. And then he woke up from the chamber and he's like, I got to go back in the chamber to, to get more 
relationship and what what he was just he was just addicted to to e e girl yeah he's kind of like uh what's his name k in blade runner although i would do that too if i was him what is the worst hugh jackman role like what would you put like what would you put up there as like his his and i i'm not movie not movie because like for example like X-Men Origins Wolverine, not a good movie, but like Hugh Jackman wasn't the problem with that movie. But in terms of like where you've watched, you've been like, well, man, Jackman, not great in this one. Like, I can't think of many. Like, even the Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie, he was very... Yeah, yeah that was yeah. an awesome movie. Like, and that's, I mean... Real Steel. Movie 43, maybe? Yeah, but that's not a real movie. Like, that, <laughs> that was like, that was basically where they had blackmail material on everyone involved. And they're like, uh, yeah, the, the, the Fairly Chappie? Brothers, like, you got to do this. He, no, he was, he was pretty good in Chappie. He wasn't the problem with Chappie. Chappie was the problem with Chappie. <laughs> like, like, I, I don't remember, I don't remember ever watching something and saying somebody else would be better than Hugh Jackman in this. But like, um, even, <sighs> Pan? I was like, I was watching this, and I was like, Thomas Jane would fit in more in this role than Hugh Jackman. <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, Swordfish. He was good in Swordfish, though. The Front Runner was a kind of boring movie that came out a couple years ago, but he wasn't bad in it. Like, I, I, I this is the first time I, I like, can truly remember watching a Hugh Jackman movie, and again, he wasn't terrible. And going, man, he just he didn't have it here. Like, he he just he this. He just didn't have his fastball today. Like it just, it just didn't work out. Like he probably should have pitched like three innings in this movie. Like he just didn't have. It. And I just wonder, like, was it was it just? I don't. I don't think it was him. But like you know, maybe the direction was there. I, I just don't know. He just wasn't miserable enough for me. It, it's it's almost like you could have combined him and the Watts character into one. Like, and I know you had to have that. And by the way, like. I'm an idiot, but was it implied that the Watts character was in love with him? Was that was that the implication there in terms of her like withholding the information, or am I just like thinking about it too much? I don't know. I didn't really think about it that way. The uh, what do you call it? I'm trying to think of like other ways they could have done this a little bit better, and I think that the the noir characterization to these characters, like you were saying before, I, I think they felt like they were they were half in half out on that. Like they tried to make them relatable characters. But then they also had moments where they would be very like heavy handed with that. You know what I mean? Like the the Clifton Collins uh, or um, I'm probably saying his name wrong. Uh, the bad guy in this with the burned face like that guy was so hammy and over the top. The St. Louis or St. Joseph guy, whatever his name was, he was so over the top. And like but then other times, Hugh Jackman as Nick was very grounded and Watts, very grounded. Rebecca Ferguson, very grounded. Like they, they were a little bit in and out of that. And they maybe if they dedicated one hundred percent into the one direction, it would have been better. Oh, I'll take that back. You know who the best person in this movie was? I thought uh, Daniel Wayne Newton was very great, but Daniel Wu, his Saint Joe character. That's what I was just saying. Yeah, yeah, I, you're absolutely right. Like that was the most that was the most intriguing part of the movie. I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. Like he, but he hammed it up. Is what I'm saying. Exa- like, uh, yep, I agree. That, that I. I think I think you're onto something. I think everybody just needed to, to ham it up a little more. Maybe if if they were 100 percent ham, full 100 percent ham mode, this would have been a much much better movie. They'll release the ham cut of Reminiscence, and you might like it more. But the the movie just completely fell off the interesting radar for me when you got into the um, 
the the Sylvan storyline with his his, oh, his widow and his his son, and like you know, I, like I did like I did like kind of the you know the 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 clock shop scene where you know it kind of just illustrates the world everyone's living in, but the whole like with the whole reveal around the son did nothing for me. And what I was going to say earlier is you can't help but think if they got an actor like uh, Skylar Gisondo to play the son, if it would have been better. Yeah. I don't know. It just, I think yeah. at the end of the day, the, the thing about reminiscence is that it makes me want to watch other movies that I feel like it, it borrowed from. Like I wanted to go watch Inception instead of watching, thinking about this anymore. That's, that's, <clears throat> see, that's, a, that's an issue. Like that's always a, <laughs> Like you never want that to happen where it's like, Oh, it reminds me of this, just a significantly shittier version. Like if your first instinct is to turn it off and to watch something out, like it's, it doesn't get much worse than that. I mean, again, the, the, the concept here was fine. Like, like the, the concept here was, was intriguing actually. Um, but it's just executed in a worse way compared to other things related to it. And that's just tough. And again, the acting not good enough to overcome the fact that, Longer movie, kind of boring in spots, nothing overly intriguing. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole the whole thought of like, where do you go when the future sucks? Is it's definitely something worth exploring. So, I, I thought the movie was was onto something there. It just was the the main storyline wasn't good. I didn't like it. You know, you, I don't know. You're right. They had you know there was something there. I don't think it was horrible. I, I enjoyed parts of it. It wasn't a complete write-off to me, but you couldn't help but wonder if it could have been executed a little bit better or had a better story to it or characters that you cared about more. Yeah. I want to see Hugh Jackman make more musicals, I guess. That's clearly what he is he wants to do. Let him do it. No, we we should just we should just trap him into playing Wolverine for the rest of his life. It's like <laughs> A lifetime contract with earth he just has to play wolverine until he dies well the, the there's just like the end of the movie where he just spends the rest of his life in the the matrix pod having memories yeah he'd be exactly. like that except now you're playing Wait, what if the, wolverine that's what this movie is he's he's yeah, it's, it's his, like his love letter to wanting to, to to leave like having to play wolverine well, the same characters i think what this movie is is an extension of the dad universe uh, this is set in the same world as Serenity, but in the future, in my mind, there I is can, a dad uh, and there is a boat. So I get you're onto something there. I, I can I can get on that plane with you. I can get on that same wavelength with you. Uh, next episode, I don't know what we're gonna do, but there's a couple options. So the Night House is a new movie that came out, but it is in theaters. Tougher access, I imagine, but apparently really good. I'm excited to see it. There's that, there's that Jason Momoa movie, Sweet Girl, on Netflix. That stinks. It's real bad. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 bad. It's a bad movie. Um, because we only we only have. Yeah. What he, he he plays a sixty three year old guy commenting on like other <laughs> Facebook posts. <laughs> he just says like Sweet Girl. It's a real creepy comment. Oh. That, that, that's what sweet girl reminds me of like some dude just like <laughs> commenting we could it, yeah. do a throwback we could do a throwback so we only have one two three four more episodes with you on trill we have shang chi in the last week the last one 
we have Candyman. So we have we have an open slot. Maybe Troll's Choice. So maybe maybe you just pick the, the emoji movie. Let's just bring it full yeah. circle. <laughs> oh. Just 45 well, minutes. You know what? Of we'll silence. do that. We'll let you pick a movie on streaming, an okay. older movie, something. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. I like that. It's a fun task. Um, all right, let's let's do our draft here to, to, to wrap things up. The coolest dudes draft. Because I want to mean maybe Hugh Jackman will be on here. I think he's a, he's he's a worthy pick. He's like he's a cool dude. Um, I'm up first, then Trill, then Ken Jack, then the audience. No audience this time. That's just okay. us. Good, good. Fuck them. Fuck those guys. They're not taking any of our dude picks. Yeah, we want our best dude. We we get the best dudes. Just us. Exactly. We're not letting dilute our picks. Uh, my number one pick. I think he's the coolest dude. Uh, he. <laughs> He can do whatever he wants, car commercials, acting, good-looking guy, tosses on weight for weird movies, takes it all off, did the beach bum, plays the drums at, at Major League Soccer games. He's like, the, he's like the minister of defense or whatever for, for Texas like basketball and football. It's like the minister of morale or some shit. I forget what it is. Matthew McConaughey. Doesn't he teach an acting course at University of Texas? Yeah. He's definitely not the minister of defense at University of Texas, but he's something like that. He's like the minister of culture at Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt, he's 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 the minister of culture. And the, the MLS, they were like, he's a part owner. He's like, I'm gonna play the drums. Like, okay, sure. Oscar winner. Matthew McConaughey, I think, is is as cool as it gets. Like, he is the epitome of cool. A cool dude. Um, he was so gonna taking, be the number one, no matter who was going first. Yeah, so I'm taking I'm taking Matthew number one. Trill number one pick for you. Uh, number one pick for me is Miles Davis. Damn it. Uh, Miles Davis is the, the coolest dude of all time. I'm sorry. It's literally uh, the joke from what was the movie? Billy, Billy Madison. Madison. Yeah. yeah. Pissing your pants is cool. Then I'm Miles Davis. I may have butchered that, but that's the way I remember it. Uh, one of the greatest musicians of all time, but also one of the coolest dudes of all time. And, you know, they're, they're just the, the pictures of him and, you know, the way he dresses and everything like that. I mean, just, just incredible. And that, that, that goes without even like, examining his his musical talent that just adds another you know five levels onto it does it's great pick. miles davis number number one for you ken you have back-to-back picks all right uh i'll pick a guy who was the coolest dude for a very long time still alive so still very cool uh, i'll pick harrison ford harrison ford is yeah unbelievably cool guy the from being two of the coolest characters in Indiana Jones Harris and uh, I almost said in Harrison Ford and Han Solo. Beyond that, like you just you watch the interviews now. One of the best interview moments of all time was did Greedo shoot first? Uh, I don't care. This is one of the coolest things. Uh, I, I don't care. <laughs> That's cooler than when Leia said, I love you. And he said, I know, which is also one of the coolest moments in cinematic history. Um, and obviously has a much bigger career with many other great movies beyond those two I, I have to play the clip because it's just there's just something about the clip that i i just have to uh, play. i don't care i don't care <laughs> it's just it, 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 it's <laughs> what if he what if he was in reminiscence and he's the lead actor and he's like oh, time is guy yeah, time is like a you shoot greedo first or did greedo shoot you first um i don't care <laughs> you just tell me that's not the coolest thing he's so fucking cool because honestly, because it's not that he said he didn't. It's not the I don't care. It's the um I don't care. Like there's just, it's it's the, the um it's yeah 
there, there, there's there's just a, like a disgusted pause with the questions and like i don't care it's so genuine with so many other actors like you could tell like they're they're coached to answer xyz to whatever like he genuinely does not give a shit at all and he's been asked that probably a trillion times despite like over the years and years and years so you know i i just he's so fucking cool i can't i can't help it um for my next pick hmm i think i'll do brad pitt brad pitt also incredibly cool um and i think he's been cool for 30 plus years now roughly like right right around like his career being like what 90 early 90s all the way through to today and he's still just as cool now as he was when he was young and all tight and hip so you know just he's an extremely cool dude gotta pick him he's he's the, he has a harrison ford effect as well just continuously cool the older he gets just yeah looks just looks the same amount of cool the whole time um trill yeah. number two for you coolest dudes yeah number two for me is michael kane specifically michael kane in the 60s because michael He's kane cool in dude. the 60s had you know cool dude cool accent cool actor but just going off of his like fashion his 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 fits in the 60s with the glasses and the turtlenecks and the wide lapels the double-breasted uh suit jackets god like that's that's the way that you know and it was like fitting that he was in austin powers because i feel like so much of that character was just based off of michael kane yeah i forgot how funny he was in austin powers Michael Caine, number two for you. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with British as well. I'm going Idris Elba. Um, yeah, damn. He, he's a man. He if you told me he graces the cover of GQ every week, I, I would say. I mean, when is I don't maybe GQ's monthly. I would say okay, that yeah, I believe that. Like he he's just that cool. Um, and like it, honestly, like there, there has to be a rule. Like if, if you're consistently said to be the next James Bond, you're probably pretty cool. Like you could probably pick a lot of Bond actors for this. You could pick many Bond actors for this. Um, Elba falls in that. Uh, my the first pick of the third round. My next pick. I'm going to pick. I think is the coolest athlete of all time. Usain Bolt. Um, majorly cool dude. Just first of all to have a name like that and just be the best in the world. The, the thing that is most associated with your name, just being lightning fast. That's just badass. And he and he won gold medals and his diet was McNuggets. Like that's, Shit. that's cool. Like people are like, they're doing pre-workout and they're chugging their, their protein shakes and meeting their power bars, which is what I'm sure they do at the Olympic village eating their kale. And he's just, he's just dunking chicken McNuggets and sweet and sour sauce. And then they goes out the next day. And he's just the fastest guy in the world. Yeah. Undeniably and, cool. And he was, I mean, just fun. He's just amazing to watch. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's just a, a swagger. Like, like it, one of the more unforgotten things about him is that he he showboated the last ten meters when he won in Beijing's yeah. first gold medal. I was, I was like that. Like, I I know there's a contingent of you know, there you know, there's a lot of uh, people want athletes to be like have a lot of humility sometimes, but I think there's a different. Like, I think I think humility combined with like showboating is definitely possible. Like, and I want my athletes to like enjoy their supernatural powers basically and have fun with them. And whenever you have an athlete who does that, it's like, it's super, it's super cool because, you know, you just don't want them to feel like they have to be like, they can't have a personality. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Show it off. Uh, Trill, your, your third pick. 
Uh, my third pick is Lenny Kravitz. Let me tell you why. If I got up on the stage in leather pants and, and did a squat and the, my pants ripped in the middle and my dick fell out, my, my life would be over. Uh, I would have to retreat to a cabin. I'd be so embarrassed. Uh, for Lenny Kravitz, nobody didn't give a shit. Just Lenny Kravitz. Uh, he's, just, he's one of the coolest dudes in my lifetime. Uh, I, I like his music a lot, but he also you know, has, has a lot of iconic looks. Like his big scarf became a meme, but that looked cool. He made that look cool. The reason it became a meme is because only he could make that look cool. And he also was great in the Hunger Games. He was. People forget. He was like probably one of the better small parts in the Hunger Games. What was his name? It was uh... like Ben Holio Gates or something stupid. I'm sure <laughs> it wasn't. What's even close? They all had dumb names. It was something with like an F or something. It was like not Finn. Finnick Shand is a Star Wars character. Oh, that makes me so mad. It's going to be something equally dumb, and you guys laughing at me is going to look stupid. No, because yours isn't even close. I wasn't trying to be Senna. close. I just said a it dumb was name. He's just Senna. All right. It's still I, thought he had much, I thought he had a different name than that. I'm thinking of, of Haymitch. And I, I also really like his relationship with Jason Momoa, who is now married to uh, Lisa Bonet, his, yeah. his ex-wife, and they maintain a good relationship. And I think that's, I think that's a real dude's rock moment. I, I, I also... What's the one thing you think? What's the non the non music thing you? Well, there is music involved. What's the the non like song or performance you think of with with uh, Lenny Kravitz? What's the one thing that comes to your mind? The non song performance, it's just his nuts coming out, like Joe was saying. But that's it. I, I don't I always associate him with that. Was it like a Gap commercial he was in or Old Navy? Mm. He was in it for years. Huh, I don't years. Know. I'm not familiar. Just, you just you just Lenny Kravitz Gap. I think it was Gap. He doesn't seem like a Gap guy either. That's very not cool, actually. <laughs> oh, he was a Gap commercial with Sarah Jessica Parker. Yes. That, yes. that is significantly even less cool. This is getting less. He's getting less no. cool by the second here, Trill. No, dude. There's no. Lenny Kravitz elevates everything he's in. I'm sorry. He carried that Gap commercial. Sarah Jessica Parker's fine. It's fine. So, so what if I had to Google it? Him partying on a Gap commercial with with Sarah Jessica Parker wearing low rise jeans is not cool. She's wearing a fedora too and a tucked in <laughs> scarf that comes out from underneath her blouse. This is the least cool thing I've ever seen. Trill, this is very. T- I know I, I don't disagree with your pick at all. I think Lenny Kravitz is incredibly cool, but this particular moment is one of the least cool things I've ever seen. I don't know. I look. Say what you want about your whole feeling about Sarah Jessica Parker. But like at the time when Sex of the City was the height, like it was huge. It was like Gap was just tapping into that. Yeah, but she's not cool. Regardless of Sex of the City's, I think she's kind of cool. Uh, come on, Sarah Jessica Parker's not cool. And that's Lenny, not Lenny Kravitz like is cool. No, Lenny Kravitz is cool. Yeah, I, St- you're you're I'm just, I'm just gonna post in your bearing. I'm not. I know. No, I'm sticking to my main argument. I'm not. I'm not going to go off into tangents. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He had to uh, make carry money. that commercial by being so fucking cool. But he also got that bag, which is cool too. And you're right. He probably showed up to that Gap commercial, and he's wearing like, you know, Rick Owens or something like that. Like not even Gap. He's like, I'm not going to wear that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> they just stitched the old navy into the jean. Um, Ken Jack, back to back picks. All right. First, um, I will do someone who I think is incredibly cool. Um, 
so there's two people I could pick here. One is uh, Steve McQueen, who is literally the, his nickname was the King of Cool. Uh, but I'll pick Burt Reynolds because I think he resonates more with people mm. than Steve McQueen does, unfortunately. Uh, not to say that's a bad thing, but like I think Burt Reynolds, I think Steve McQueen is incredibly cool. I just think Burt Reynolds has more notoriety. So I'll pick Burt Reynolds first. But what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, Burt, wait, are you going to pick both of them? No, just Burt Reynolds. Yeah, I mean, Burt Reynolds is, is undeniably cool. Like every photo of Burt Reynolds, very cool. Steve McQueen definitely cool, but I think it's also like if you're if you're in your 60s now, like you'd pick Steve McQueen because you you live through it. Whereas like Burt Reynolds, like I lived through part of Burt Reynolds' coolness. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, just him, him with the hat. It just ah, like that. Smoky, that you, yeah. you know the picture. Yeah, extremely cool, dude. Um, but Burt Reynolds, Burt Reynolds, they both had cool cars. Is the thing. Did. Steve, Steve McQueen had his his bullet yeah. Mustang, and then Burt Reynolds had the uh, the G the GT. No, he had multiple. Just of the, them. The, the smoking the bandit photo of him looking out the side of the car, like that is again undeniably one of the coolest photos ever taken. Super cool. Um, and for my next pick, I'll go. I'm going to leave Steve McQueen behind. I'll just pick Bruce Lee because I think Bruce Lee was one of the coolest guys in the world oh, yeah. before he passed. Not even just like for being a martial artist and movie star and all that, but like his fashion sense, impeccable. Talking about Lenny Kravitz, like if you just look up like like Bruce Lee fashion, you'd be shocked by how well he dressed. Like because he was he's just an absolute fucking stud. And like everyone wanted to be Bruce Lee in like that period of the 70s and inspired a lot of people that came after him. And I think he was just generally speaking, a very cool dude that has a lot of very cool like urban myth and real stories about him. So I got to pick him. The um, the, the, that is interesting you bring that up because I feel like what's like when you think of Bruce Lee in your head, what do you think of? You think of him with no shirt on, true, or the or the movies. jumpsuit. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. A lot of good fashion. Uh, Trill, your fourth pick. My fourth pick is Tony Hawk. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, Tony Hawk's an attractive guy, but a taller, gangly guy isn't supposed to be cool, but he is. <laughs> Like, you know, you think of like Stephen Merchant, right? Like he's made a whole career off of not being cool. Whereas Tony Hawk, like <laughs> Tony Hawk just has an optimistic personality. He seems like a guy you would get along with. He seems like a very chill dude. By all accounts, all public interactions with Tony Hawk have been very impressed or very nice. Tony Hawk has become cool, a cool dude from being a good dude. And that's why I've selected Tony Hawk. And some of the best games of all time have his name on them. And he developed them all himself. He it's was true. there programming these games. <laughs> he <laughs> learned C plus just to do it. He did. Not many people know that. And he also recorded all the music for it, even though they said they were by other <laughs> bands. Yeah. Tony Hawk did it all. He took none of the credit. That's why he's so cool. He gave the credit to other people. Exactly. Um, my last two picks. I'm going to go. I did mention a bond. Um, my last two no longer with us. Rest in peace. Sean Connery, number four. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he is James Bond. Um, the voice, like the swagger, even in the bad movies, he's cool. Even in League of Extraordinary, Gentlemen, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, he was cool. Terrible movie, the coolest character in that for sure. Oh yeah, no, he didn't even. He didn't Alan Quatermain. Yeah, <laughs> Alan Quatermain. Um, yeah, Sean Connery, very cool. And then Prince. Last pick. True. I mean, Prince is you. Your level of coolness can definitely be measured if you're somebody who can do literally anything, and people go, "Wow, that looks awesome." Like he, like again, that's another one. Low effort, no effort. It would still be cool, and it would still be awesome. 
And you, I'll mention the moment for Trill, him playing the guitar in the rain of the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yes, the silhouette. But, but also like his ability, you know, writing songs for other people. Like he was that great yeah. of a songwriter. Where he just gave his songs to other people. And it's like, I, I, you play it. And like, I think Manic Monday by the Bengals was like, he wrote that song. Like he was just all around talented, like songwriter, musician, performer. I don't think there'll never be anyone quite like Prince. Uh, yeah, easy. Steal in the fifth round. Trill, your last pick. You had, you had Tony Hawk in the last round. Yeah, my last pick is um, probably the my my most favorite athlete growing up. I just I got to put him on this list. I, let me tell you, I'm leaving off some musicians, but George Kenneth Griffey Jr. Yeah, um, backwards hat man. You know, becoming a fan of baseball in like 1989 and, and, you know, seeing his swing, which is the best looking swing of all time or one of them, in my opinion, but also just, you know, his just approach to the game and like him out, like, you know, making those catches on the warning track and then him taking BP with the backwards hat. Like he just just really cool. I, I loved him. And I pulled a upper deck 1989 King Griffey Jr. rookie card out of a pack from a, a card shop when I was like five. And I had my dad with me. And it was it's one, it's still one of the most memorable moments of my life. I, I don't know why I specified I had my dad with me. I didn't go to a card shop by myself when I was five, but I remember <laughs> him being, you know, it was, you know, when you're with your parents, you remember that it was a moment you shared together. And I, 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 you know, always think about when at that, when you think about your childhood and, and athletes and, and, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. was just always so cool to me. Still is, especially in the movie I, we watch. Yeah. He, he, I wish he would have had the backwards hat on his plaque at the Hall of Fame. Yep. I, I really wish they would have allowed that. Like, I, like, I, I really wish, like, he is. He's probably the coolest baseball player of all time. Again, it's the, it's the backwards hat. Him, him just in hitting BP in the backwards hat. Home run derby. Yeah, cool as it gets. Ken Jack, finish it up. Uh, my last pick. I'm going to pick uh, another king of cool. The big Joe Camel. Joe Camel, <laughs> arguably yeah. the coolest person yeah. mm-hmm. slash anamorphic animal that's ever lived. And I just sent a bunch of pictures in the chat with to you guys. I mean, every picture. He's like playing piano in a white tux. He's leaning on a on a yellow Ferrari with a beautiful dame leaning on it too. He's on a red Corvette. He's wearing like he's doing that cool guy thing where like you're wearing a t-shirt and you put the pack of cigarettes in the sleeve of the arm. That's so fucking cool. He's like a fighter pilot. He's got big ass. <laughs> he's like, cool. He was he was so cool. The government had to step in and say you can't be this cool. You can't anymore. be this cool. That exactly. There needed to be government <laughs> binding resolution to stop Joe Camel from being that cool. That's how cool Joe Camel was. I remember being at a gas station in 1989 with my dad and just picking out a Joe Camel from a pack of cigarettes and smoking it. I'll never <laughs> forget that. Those are the days. True father-son bonding right there. He, I mean, I'll tell you what, flipping through magazines was never the same after they removed those advertisements. Yeah, because they were, they were obviously, like you go back and you're just like this was this was very much created to appeal to a younger audience <laughs> to yeah. encourage them to smoke. Well, yeah, I would love to smoke if I saw these ads when I was little. You know why? Because Joe Camel is so cool. Significantly better than Marlboro Man. <clears throat> Way better. Way better. Way they, better. They should bring Joe Camel back, but he, he should like pitch a different product. 
like something healthy or like like pop tarts (laughs) no it has to be something like (laughs) it has to be something else cool like have them sell cars half these ads he's in front of a cool car anyway Imagine like a new Volkswagen or new Audi commercial, and she's like, "Hey, you should buy the new." That sounds like another great idea in the long line of Trill um board meeting pitches. Okay, guys, uh, I know we, I know kids on, aren't eating pop tarts anymore. I got an idea. Kellogg's stock cigarette smoking camel fifteen percent after their introduction of Joe Camel into their latest advertising campaign. <laughs> oh. The worst, the worst decision <clears throat> in business history. Many are calling it. Joe Camel eating, eating Pop Tarts. <laughs> I used to smoke cigarettes. Now I eat Pop Tarts. Same rush. Um, that's it. That's it. That's all. No more. Um, anything else? I don't think so. No, I'm so, so sick. I just pick, can't wait to, to fucking. I'm I'm gonna go shower right after this and just clear out all the phlegm from my nose, which you, I think you guys can probably hear from here. Uh, it's disgusting. It's absolutely vile. I can't wait to get rid of it. You should get uh, one of those shower drops. Those big I did shower drops. Oh, those are nice, dude. It's awesome. It was so all good. Right. I did that earlier. I'm good, Jeff. You want me to say the thing? You hey, said the, the thing, thing first. We're gonna you're gonna pick the movie. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good week at the box office, folks.